Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everybody. Happy October. I am so excited to bring you today's episode because I know it will be a topic that resonates with so many of you as one in four women are said to have suffered a miscarriage at some point. And it's something that can be very tricky to talk about because everyone processes it very differently. We feel like there's no set of rules in terms of how to grieve how we can talk about it. Are we allowed to feel really sad if it's an early loss versus a later loss? I mean, there's just so much wrapped up in it and it can be incredibly isolating. That's why I'm thankful to my guest today, Daisha Johnson. She has eight kids but has also suffered five miscarriages and she has founded the nonprofit Always In My Heart, which helps support women, men, and the family as a whole to support people through miscarriage, through um, resources and care packages, and what she's doing is truly amazing. We're going to talk about her own motherhood journey, tips she gives for helping others to support people they love who have suffered a loss, and we're going to talk about Chrissy Teigen's most recent loss as well, since that's getting a lot of buzz. It's an important topic to talk about because if you have been through this, you are not alone, even though it may feel like it when you're going through it. So let's get to my conversation with Daisha Johnson. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Daisha Johnson today. Hi, Daisha. Hi, Jessica. Okay. D-A-I-S-H-A. Tell, d- yes. Does your name have a story? Where did Daisha come from? That's very unique. It's yeah, it is unique. Um, there's a few of us out there in the world. Okay. But it's actually a combination of my parents' names, David and Shawnee. So oh, Daisha. That's so cool. <laughs> I knew there had to be some kind of story, but what a unique thing. And I love it. Um, I love the movie Father of the Bride. Do you like those uh-huh. movies? Yeah, and- so cute. We just watched it with our kids this quarantine. I love it. I love it so much. It's so funny. And when they're uh, in Father of the Bride 2, when they're thinking, we may just come up with an alternative last name, combining the letters of our last names, like Zinman, Zankman, or Manus. And George is just like, uh, you, you're telling me I may have a granddaughter named Sophie Zankman? <laughs> it's just so funny. Well, I mean, come on. There's yeah. Lots of- creative names out there exactly oh that kills me well I am so excited to be chatting with you and I was telling you before we hopped on really the heart of this podcast is hearing from moms who are going through and have gone through really challenging times and are using that to really fuel their lives to refine their vision of motherhood and to ultimately connect with other moms and validate these other experiences because especially the topic of miscarriage that we're covering today it can be incredibly isolating and so you feel like the emotions you're feeling you know whether you've already told people you're pregnant or not like it's just this weird murky experience we're not really sure how to navigate it and anything that ends with a loss you don't feel like you want to bring people down and so it's just so hard 
but it is such a common thing that people experience, but it's not being talked about. You're right. It really is really hard and it definitely feels isolating and lonely. And that's kind of what, um, I've been trying to help with just doing my little part in the world to try to help bring some peace and comfort and connection between these men and women and families who are struggling with pregnancy loss. I love that so much. And I'm so sorry for the losses that you have experienced. And I'm so grateful that you're offering this support to other, like you said, men, women, and children, like everybody in a family experiences that loss and often very differently. So, but for Daisha, for people that may not know you yet, will you give a little background on yourself and your family? Yes, I will. Thank you. So my husband and I both grew up in the same town in Oregon. We met when I was in middle school and he was in high school and I instantly fell in love. I was the one who would walk around the school and um, kind of stalk him, you know, in the cute, innocent way. (laughs) Anyway, we dated in high school and then he served a mission for our church. And I was in my freshman year, he came home and we got married and we always wanted to have a big family. So we now have eight kids, ranging from high, senior in high school to a toddler. Um, he's almost two. So we have every age and stage that you can imagine going on right now in the house. Yeah, that's a little bit about us. Wow, that's a lot of kids. And I <laughs> talked to a lot of large families um, lately, actually, and it has been so fun. And I think one of my most curious questions for parents that have children in multiple stages of life. Like it's one thing when you have all your toddlers together and you're, you know, largely homebound and and your schedule is ruled by naps and things like that. But then as soon as you have kids that have after school activities and you're having to get to games and the nap schedule can't be quite as strict as it was, you know, early on when you only had one, two, three kids maybe. How, how is that? juggling the needs and schedules of the different groups of kids that you have, depending upon on where they're at. Yes, it is so busy. Yeah. Kind of wild and crazy. And you're right. I was talking to my sister-in-law recently and she's got three little kids and she's talking about nap times and schedules. I'm like, oh, my years of nap times and schedules are way out the window. The baby naps in the car. I wake him up often to pick up people from school. Mm -hmm. So things are different. We juggle it. And, but you know, having teenagers and babies at the same time is so much fun. We love it. They love the babies. They're such good helpers. I'm not nervous about letting those, you know, preteens babysit. So that's super helpful too. But we just kind of slowly juggle along and stumble along um, with the daily schedule, but it works. It just works out in the end. Yeah. So I'm pregnant with number four right now. And I thought for a long time, for five years, that we were done. So I have three boys and the oldest is 10, the youngest is five. And I thought we were done. And I decided, well, let's just see if there's one more out there. And there was. And I am so excited though, because I think it will be such a different experience and the kids are so excited. Like they don't even remember me pregnant ever. So to see me expanding and even though Parker, the oldest is like, well, you just look like someone coming out of quarantine right now. Like you don't look that pregnant. So I'm like, oh, thanks Parker. But, um, he's so excited for that experience. And I do think it will be so different than it was with the previous ones, even though the previous ones were awesome in their own way. 
there just is a different experience once you have, you know, more more years under your belt, right? And realizing, yeah, naps naps are great when they can happen, but they can also happen on the go. And you just kind of prioritize things differently. And ultimately, I think you're prioritizing your values more than you're prioritizing, like, rigid schedules. Yes, I agree. That's totally true. It's yeah. very important. And, um, yeah, you just kind of make it work and switch things up and – now, bedtime is different because you have older kids and babies, but it all, all just works out. Big family is a lot of fun. We love it. What's the hardest part? Well, I'd say right now with um, online learning, oh, we're man. in Oregon, so we are all online. So I've got six kids who are school-aged, plus a four-year-old and a baby. So trying to manage all those different needs of everyone. The teenagers are great. They can do it on their own, but... Um, managing time to play with the little kids and then help the grade school kids do homework. So sometimes, yeah, those schedules and the needs of the different ages and stages can be a little bit tricky, um, but we just try to work through it and it's okay. Yeah. Well, when you release that expectation that it's ever going to look a certain way, right? And just like, it's going to be fine. Like however it looks, it's going to be fine. And sometimes things go terribly wrong and you kind of learn from those things or you realize, well, that's over. We can move on to the next thing, right? And it's just, good point. Yeah, it just is kind of let it, it go. Just move on to the next day. It's yeah, okay. It is. It's all okay. It's all okay. So you have eight kids, and you've also suffered, unfortunately, a lot of miscarriages. How many miscarriages have you had? Yeah, we've lost five babies. Five babies, and that's all within those eight live births. Is that right? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so after our oldest, Macy, was born, we wanted to have kids again right away. Really wanted to have them close. You know, kind of everyone kind of has like their little plan for their family and how they want it to go. And so we got pregnant again when she was like six months old. We were so excited. Um, and then my water broke at 14 weeks out of the blue. And then we went through a series of three losses in a row. So I had a loss at 14 weeks where my water broke. And then a little while later, I had a seven-week loss. And then we had another 14-week loss um, where my water broke again. Wow. So during that time of all this back-to-back throughout that year and trying to get pregnant and losing babies and that emotional cycle, um, physically and emotionally and mentally, and spiritually even, um, of losing all those babies and trying to figure out what's wrong and what's going on, we were able to find some solutions that I think helped us with our next um, pregnancies because then we had four kids in a row. Mm. Um, and then we had a surprise. I mean, we have a big family. We wanted a big family. Um, so it wasn't a surprise pregnancy, but I went to the ultrasound and found out that we were pregnant with identical twins. And we were thrilled. It kind of felt like a two-for-one kind of deal after having so many losses. We're like, oh, my goodness, yes. Um, more babies and two at one time. It's amazing, and we found that there were boys, which is super exciting because at the time we had um, four girls and a boy wow. at the time. And then, um, unfortunately, though, I went to my 16-week ultrasound, not suspecting anything. I didn't have any signs or symptoms of a loss or a problem, and um, we found out it was quickly evident that one of our babies had passed away, which then propelled us into... Um, fight mode, fighting for our baby who had survived. He was extremely sick and anemic and he needed a fetal blood transfusion to live. Um, he was suffering brain damage and kidney damage and 
Um, his heart looked poor and they did not think he would survive. Um, but we went ahead and said that we would do anything and everything to save this precious baby there. Heavenly Father had blessed us with, um, and we went ahead with this risky procedure of a fetal blood transfusion, which is done by condensing blood into a needle, kind of like an am amniocentesis, and they wanted to get the blood into the baby's umbilical cord. And at seven, 16, 17 weeks, I mean, babies are so, so tiny, so it seemed impossible, and it was very difficult, stressful procedure. But they were able to um, <coughs> inject that blood into the baby's abdomen instead. And through the next couple of months, we continued to monitor him closely, and he survived. And he is amazing, seven-year-old today. Wow. Um, and then we had more babies and another loss, and then our little caboose, Thurman, is almost two. So after you have one healthy baby, that first loss had to be shocking and also kind of like, oh, well, that's not how it was supposed to go. And is this going to happen again? Is, is, is this the trend or is this just an anomaly? You know, like it starts to erupt all these questions that you didn't know you were supposed to have. Is that kind of how you felt? Like how did you feel after that first one? And then the second one where you're like, oh, is – are we going to be able to have that large family we always thought? Yeah, you're right. Um, just totally unexpected, out of the blue. I mean, my first pregnancy was fine. I was really, really sick. But other than that, no problems. Um, and I'd only known a few people who had had a miscarriage um, before. I was young. We started our family young. But I did have a few sister-in-laws who had lost babies. And it was comforting to be able to reach out to them. But one of the hardest things, I think, about losing a baby is that you – immediately blame yourself. Mm. You're like, it's this baby's growing in my body. Did I do something wrong? Did I jump too much? You know, whatever it is, um, did I cause this to happen? And so you kind of naturally want to blame yourself. And then of course you want to find all the solutions. Um, but sometimes there just isn't any, and there isn't any answers of why it's happened. And then, yeah, trying to get pregnant again or getting pregnant again after a loss creates so much fear. Like you're so happy but at the same time, there's so much fear that goes into that next pregnancy because, yeah, you are worried. Is this going to happen again? Are we going to lose another baby? How can I be excited about a little kick? Or can I be excited that I'm feeling sick because maybe that's a good sign, you know, that right. the pregnancy is going well? Things like that. So there's so many emotions to navigate through when you go through a loss and then also trying to conceive after you've had a loss. Right. It's very, very complicated. And certainly people experience it very differently, including the woman and her partner. Right? Yes, like their, their process can be different um, too. Man, my husband and I were talking last night and he said, there's just such a feeling of helplessness yeah. as the dad or the husband in these situations. I mean, they see how much we're grieving and they're also grieving and trying to navigate, navigate their own emotions. They're trying to be supportive to us through the loss. And it's just hard. I mean, I would definitely say, that year when we had multiple losses in a row, it was really hard on our marriage. It just, I mean, you just kind of felt depressed and sad. Um, it's hard. It's really hard to navigate these these feelings and emotions and these situations surrounding pregnancy loss. So you lost two at 14 weeks. I can't imagine what that would feel like having your water break. and Like that is such a surreal experience, I'm sure. And then the, the one loss at seven weeks 
is there for you personally was there a difference in the way the grieving felt losing him at 14 weeks versus losing your baby at seven weeks I think so I mean every day you get to be pregnant is just another day on that um, calendar to get to that nine month mark to have that baby yeah um you have more days to think about it pray for this baby dream about this baby so I think the farther along it was a little harder um than the shorter losses but I must say that even the shorter losses bring a lot of grief and surprise so our fifth miscarriage which was just a couple years ago um it was about five or six weeks and so I called the doctor I said I took a pregnancy test last week I'm pregnant but I'm I'm bleeding and I've had a you know history of miscarriage and I said they said come do some blood work and then they called me with the results I'm like so am, like would you consider this a pregnancy and they're like yeah you're you're pregnant and I kind of at that time was like oh my gosh I wish I wouldn't have even taken a pregnancy test mm-hmm. because then I wouldn't have had to go through the heartache yeah it's difficult and emotional but with each pregnancy no matter how far along it was you just feel that connection you know that yes. instant you know you're growing a baby and going to grow your family, that love is just instantly there. And I think that's important to remember is yeah. even the earliest pregnancy loss is still, it's still your precious baby. And there's so emotion, so much emotion and so much love that goes into these, um, these babies in these pregnancies. Right. I could not agree more. And, and the reason I ask is I do think that some women feel, I don't know, they, they feel almost embarrassed that they felt as connected as they did to that baby when they didn't even have that long to have their brain kind of change that way of thinking of like, of knowing that, that growing life. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's really sad to think that women don't feel entitled to fully embrace the pregnancy early on and experience the full amount of grief that they just naturally feel if there is that loss even early on. Yeah, I totally I agree with you. And there's kind of that stigma for some reason yeah. about that 12 week mark, you know, Oh, don't share before the 12 week mark. And I will fully admit that was me. Hmm. That was totally us. You know, like, Oh, this is our family decision to get pregnant and we can decide when we want to share. And especially after having so many losses, I would be totally visibly pregnant and people would ask me like, Oh no, I'm not pregnant because I wasn't ready to talk about it because I knew it created so much emotion for me myself. So it was hard for us to share until we were far along and felt like, oh, the pregnancy's safe. You know, kind of that safe safety mark of 12 weeks or for us seems longer because of our losses. But um, but there's so much beauty in sharing early too, especially as I've been connecting with women who have gone through pregnancy loss and lost babies. There's so much beauty in sharing early and being able to celebrate these babies. And I've seen some people post and share that, you know what, I might lose this baby, but I'm going to enjoy and share in the beauty and excitement of it. And then if I do lose this baby, then people will know that I was pregnant and I've lost my child and they can know how to grieve with me and help me and know that I need some time and love and space. Yes. When I announced my fourth baby, I announced it about eight weeks and I just said, you know, not everybody feels like they want to announce that early, but I would share with you anything that happened in my life like that and it would feel inauthentic to not share this joy while I have a baby in me and if anything were to happen I would feel weird keeping that from people or coming out at that point and saying just the sad news right so so did you go through any of these losses silently 
Um, not a hundred percent. So, I mean, our first house was 16 years ago, so that was before social media. Right. Like now, I feel like people are getting a little more comfortable with sharing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I would almost say because we've had so many losses, I would say I went through the pregnancies in those early months silently and kind of alone, not wanting to tell people because I didn't want to have to share the grief. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a different aspect, but I would kind of go through the, the joy and the excitement and the fear all alone rather than reaching out and be like, hey, I'm pregnant again, but I'm super scared. Maybe you could be a support to me. Hey everyone, I know you're loving getting to know Daisha, but I wanted to thank a show sponsor and that is Candlewick Press's new book, Will You Be My Friend? It is the sequel to the beloved book, Guess How Much I Love You. And it's about your favorite character, Little Nut Brown Hair, who's now exploring on his own and he ends up meeting a new friend. This book came out last week and we've had it in our home. I've been reading it with Jackson, my kindergartner, and it has been so great because it's been a jumping off point to have discussions about making friends. And even though school's virtual right now, we're so hopeful he'll go back eventually and then he'll be a little bit more equipped to reach out to those new faces on the playground, even if they're covered in masks. <laughs> and little nut brown hair is just such a beloved character that he can relate to. And we have really enjoyed the illustrations and the story of this new book by Sam McBratney and Anita Jaram. Their first book, Guess How Much I Love You, has been a staple in our house for a long, long time, and I'm sure it has in yours. So I want you to know that this new book is out, and Will You Be My Friend would be a great gift for your family and a treasured childhood favorite to cuddle up on the couch with with your children. So Will You Be My Friend is available wherever books are sold, and I hope you enjoy those special moments reading this with your kids. So would you do it differently today? You know, I wish I could say I would, <laughs> but our last pregnancy, I waited till I was like 17 weeks to like publicly announce, even though it was pretty noticeable. My kids were like, oh yeah, mom, we can tell, <laughs> you know, we're totally pregnant. Right. You just had to stretch and, out a little bit I more. Think, yeah. It's a personal thing. Like, <laughs> right. um, between my husband and I, it just, it's like, you know, we have told our, our closer family and friends, but it wasn't a public announcement on right. social media, but you know. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I wish I would have said something at eight weeks because I've missed out on those weeks of joy and excitement and sharing with other people too. Yeah, but it is so individual and we need to allow people both the agency to share good news when they want to share it and share hard news how and when they want to share that as well. And everyone's just on their own journey and to dictate how we think somebody else should handle anything, it just... We're seeing too much of that right now, and it's blowing up in our faces. This is an ugly, ugly time of criticism and judgment, and it is so stinking unproductive. It's just sad. It's just sad, and I think it really speaks to this this idea of miscarriage. And last week was, I think it was on Thursday morning, we found out that Chrissy Teigen who'd been very public with her pregnancy, her third pregnancy, and some complications recently. She ended up losing her baby boy, sadly. And um, I'm not sure exactly how many weeks she was, but she said she was about halfway. So it was it was a later stage loss. She delivered the baby. She posted really vulnerable pictures of her in the hospital, holding the baby, wrapped in a blanket. And my gut instinct was just how beautiful and 
tender those moments were and how validating that must be for people that really honor a life at every stage that you're able to experience that with your child no matter how long they they live or or when they pass and i was shocked by the amount of criticism that she got for sharing that what did you think about all that yeah um very very precious family i can't even imagine the heartache and seeing some of her photos just brought those tears to my eyes right um, and even just now just thinking about it um so vulnerable to share those those tender emotional moments but how amazing for us sitting on the other side of the screen who might be going through something like that mm-hmm. to know that someone else is, has been through a journey similar and that we can support each other and that's where I wish all the comments that people made would have been all comments of support yes. um, there was there was lots of criticism for them and their family and I feel sad that people would no matter what their beliefs or their stance on politics or family planning or abortion or things like that can just keep their opinions to themselves in these precious moments and let them enjoy celebrating and grieving their little their little boy jack yeah and the problem is not disagreeing with how somebody else is handling it like you can have your thoughts about it but just be sensitive and and realize most of those comments are completely unnecessary to the to the other person it's just okay that says something about me and where i'm at and how i feel it has nothing to do with the other person really it's just triggering something in ourselves that we need to look at that's true for sure um i had a guest a while back danielle walker she is a cookbook author and she's just an awesome person and she lost her baby isla years ago and um has since had um, another baby girl and grown their family and it's been just beautiful but um in light of this being what's the name of the month infant loss awareness month oh, pregnancy and infant loss awareness month yeah. yeah so i believe in light of that she posted a picture of her holding her baby that was again lost late in the pregnancy so she had the opportunity to deliver her um took pictures things like that and and she talked about the people questioning <clears throat> why she would continue talking about her daughter that she didn't get to raise, why she would post pictures, things like that. And oh, she posted something so, so beautifully. And she said, these pictures serve as memories. And it's such a whirlwind when you're in the middle of that loss. You can forget what that looks like, what that feels like. And, and pictures serve as a memory to go back in a time that's not quite so emotionally charged to remember the tenderness and the sacredness of of that time and again it is totally up to the individual definitely if they want to to document in that way and definitely if they want to share it not everybody's going to feel that way but i think again it just gives permission to people to process things the way they want to process and it kind of leads me to my next question of it's hard to know what to do or say when somebody that we love experiences a miscarriage. We've talked talked a lot so far about the personal aspect of it. You you get to choose what what you want to share, when you want to share it, how you want to grieve. I hope you feel the permission after after all we've just said. But for somebody on the outside that does find out that a loss has taken place, because every situation is so different, how would you suggest? 
approaching that um, with love and concern and and presence, but also letting the other person lead? Yeah, that's a great question. I get that often, get that asked to me often. And I think remembering that simple is best in this situation is probably the key to going about things um, in just a caring, loving, non-judgmental way. So saying things like, I'm so sorry, or my heart is breaking with yours. I can't imagine how hard this is. Know that I love you. In there, in those few words that I said, there was no judgments in there. There was no um, casting upon them like a future thing like, oh, don't worry, you'll get pregnant again, or it's okay, you already have children, mm-hmm. or just try again next month. And things like that that's kind of projecting a some type of outcome or right. thing that um, may or may not happen. And, and those things are probably true. And well, other times they're not said um, to hurt them, but simple is best. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm here for you. Things like that um, are just the sweetest and kindest things that you can say. Yeah, that is fantastic. And I really think the worst thing you can say is nothing, right? Oftentimes when we feel like we don't have the right words or don't know what to do, we just kind of shirk away. And to feel even more abandoned in that time after the tender loss of a child, to then also feel like you're being, you're losing out on on friendships and relationships and things because people are kind of treating you differently. I think that can feel really tough. That could be a really tough situation to be put in. For sure. It feels lonely and isolating. Um, you're going through a loss of grief um, that a lot of people don't understand. I think most can imagine like, okay, I've had my baby or my child that they've lived with and got to know and they've passed away. I think it's perhaps easier to kind of just feel like that natural, okay, I'm going to reach out with them, out to them, send them a quick text or a card um, or flowers or bring them a meal. But those same things are needed for moms who lose their babies during pregnancy, whether they... Yeah got to hold their baby for a short moment or didn't, um, those same kindnesses are needed um, so they don't feel lonely or isolated. Um, postpartum depression can happen after miscarriage and stillbirth, things like that. Um, so we need to support each other and love each other. Yeah, one of my favorite people to follow um, is Ashley Lemieux. I don't know if you follow her. Yes. And yeah, she's great. She's, and I know she's been through a loss recently she too. She has, she's been through so, so much. and lost her baby Jace at 16 weeks very suddenly and tragically. And she has been very open about that postpartum experience. And that's another part that really people don't talk very much about that, you know, delivering your baby, if you're far enough along to do that, um, your milk coming in, your Mm -hmm. first period after you have the baby and how much more painful or heavy it can be. And, I mean, all of these physical reminders, and it's just like, gosh, that doesn't seem fair that you'd be put through even more bodily trauma after suffering in that way. Um, But I appreciate that vulnerability because when some of those things come as a surprise to you and you're grieving on top of it, it just just breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah, she's so brave and amazing to share those things. Yeah, we, I mean, losing a baby comes with all those physical effects of, of pregnancy, right? I remember coming home and um, calling my sister-in-law on the phone after I lost a baby at 14 weeks and saying, it's not fair. Like I 
I've gained all this weight. I felt sick. I come over in the hospital with no baby in my arms. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it just seems so unfair. And yet to have friends who had stillbirths and their milk comes in, they're like, oh, just a gut punch. You know, that your body is doing its natural thing, but it just, it hurts that you don't have that baby to nurse and mm-hmm. to love and to cuddle. Um, and those things just naturally happen. That's how our bodies work. And it's just, it's just kind of hard. It really is hard. It is. It is. And the more that we can be honest about those things and hear from other people about them, I think it provides a lot of solidarity in the in those hardest moments. So you started a nonprofit called Always in My Heart. I love this. I love the mission behind it. Tell me about why you wanted to start this and what purpose your nonprofit serves. Okay. So Jessica, I had no idea I would ever start a nonprofit. It was never an idea that was my own. I will be perfectly honest that I had a rare moment in the kitchen preparing dinner about four years ago. Um, and I just had my phone open and I was watching a cute little, um, video of some girls surprising some women in the hospital, um, after the birth and singing a beautiful song. And it was a beautiful moment, but the only thing place my mind went to was the women next door that had just lost a baby and that those are the women that needed support. Those women whose hearts were crushed and they didn't have a baby to hold, needed people to love them and support them and reach out to them. So I just had this little thought from Heavenly Father that I could do something. Just said, you can do something for these women. So over the next year, I just took lots of notes of all the little different ideas they had and what came of it was um, always in my heart. It's a nonprofit that I started, and it's just to provide love and support and connection and hope with those who've lost a baby to miscarriage or stillbirth, to provide support for moms and the families and the husbands and dads, because we need it. We need to support each other through these difficult times of pregnancy loss. And so how do you find out about these people that have lost their babies and you send them care packages and offer that love and support to them. How, how do you find out about them? Yeah. So I created a website, um, that has support. So you could find things that have like how to, um, care for yourself, things to expect. Um, maybe you're someone else coming to the site. Like, you know, my sister won't have it just lost a baby. What do I do? How do I help her? What do I say? Things like that. And I also gathered a bunch of women who have lost a baby to, share their own experiences. So we have a website created. It's always on my where people can come and just like with the Google search, you know, they might come across our charity website and they can, yes, they can request free care packages. So one of the things I really wanted to do was to have something tangible to send to these women and families to help them remember their baby and to know they're not alone. Mm. So we created these free care packages. It's all by donations. We're a Pressure nonprofit, so we accept donations and we do fundraising. And these care packages include a necklace and a journal and family wristbands because little brothers and sisters, they know the mama's pregnant sometimes and that the baby isn't in their family. You know, the baby's gone to heaven. So we have wristbands for the whole family and a keychain for dad. So something for everyone just to kind of help them to know that we love them and support them. And people can come to the website and order a care package for themselves. Or you can go order a care package for someone else. And you just quickly tell me, like, who I'm sending it to, give me the address, things like that. So it's a really simple process. And it's just, 
just share love and connection and to support each other on this journey of pregnancy loss. Oh, I just, that just makes me tear up because so many people think of ideas or have these promptings and then they think, well, I'm not equipped to do that. I don't know how to start a nonprofit. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough connection. I don't have enough followers. I don't have enough time, whatever it is, or who am I? Just who am I in general? Like, what makes me think that I can do this? <laughs> Absolutely. I felt every single one of okay, those things. Okay, okay, good. Said. Well, I'm glad you felt it, but you didn't stop there because... No, but I, Jessica, I took a long time to do it because I was so scared. I really? never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be doing something like this. So um, I was terrified and I kind of was stubborn. I'm like, oh, we'll just like start a blog. My husband's like, well, why don't we reach out to someone that can put together a website? So he was a good support and kind of... Yeah. encouraging me and I, I took a long time over a year to put it all together um, but I'm glad I did it's been a really good experience we've been able to serve over I think we're up to about 700 families that we sent care packages to so far 700 yeah oh my and just think of the ripple effect I think what it comes down to is that people are so desperate to just feel remembered and seen and it might seem like such a small thing to send out that care package or to provide that website with a resource on it to you. Yeah. But the ripple effect of how that strengthens the individual that's there, the way that that then strengthens their whole family and on and on and on. And then how they're able to support others in their own sphere of influence, right? When they feel empowered to have more tools to be able to get through that hard thing and then their story then help strengthen others. I mean, I just hope somebody that's listening maybe has that burning or that connection to something where it's like you wouldn't have chosen to be a part of this miscarriage community and somebody else listening might be really devastated by something else in their life and would have never wanted that for anybody else or for themselves, but here they are. And what can they do with that? And how can they lift another person and help them through that and show them there is there is still light ahead, even though this this part is so dark. Oh, that's true. And just to just take whatever little seed of courage you have, yes. and just baby steps forward to, you know, do something big, do something small to help someone else is a good feeling. And often when I'm feeling discouraged, like, is anyone even looking at my posts or my Instagram stories or are they seeing my website? Just remembering, you know, it's just about the one. Even if I help just one person, yes, that's enough. Right, and we and we say that a lot, but I think we're getting so desensitized to the volume that we're hearing in society, and we just really have to get back to that. Like, have you been that one that's been helped before? Have you been reached out to before, and you're just like, they saw me, you know, whether it's a neighbor that just says hello on a really hard day or drops dinner off or, you know, offers to watch your kids or whatever it is. If you've been the recipient as that one and it's been the simplest and, and you feel and remember that fullness and that, and that lift, that can really remind you how powerful you reaching out to that one can be. Absolutely. For sure. It's yeah. It's so important. It is so important. It is. I love the work that you're doing and I know it will continue to to snowball and to serve so many, but really it is truly about the one. So tell people where they can go to find more resources um, and where they can find you online. Yeah, so our website again is 
alwaysinmyheart.com. And there you can find all sorts of resources, people's stories. One of the things I wanted to have was a database of people, men and women, to share their stories, and even grandparents, of what loss was like for them and what helped them. Because I know when I went through my losses, I was wanting to find, okay, who else has had recurrent miscarriage loss? Or who has lost any difficult twin baby? Mm -hmm. I wanted to find people to connect with. So we're trying to create that community where we can connect with each other. So you can read those stories and submit your own story on the website. But we also have our social media pages, which are at alwaysinmyheart underscore charity for Instagram. And then Facebook is at alwaysinmyheartcharity. Amazing. And there we like to create discussions and provide lots of encouraging posts and share people's personal stories. So if you're ever wanting to share your story of loss and hope and maybe, you know, redemption, maybe you've had that rainbow baby, as people say, you know, that that baby that was born after a loss. Um, we'd love to hear your stories because it's all about connecting with one another that we feel can help each other feel like we're not alone. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Daisha. Thank you so much for sharing your story, for creating this nonprofit and offering people so much hope. I know that for, I mean, I don't know what the stat, do you know what the stat is for for miscarriage? I mean, it's higher than, than we think, right? So they say one in four yeah. um, is kind of the stat. And then for stillbirth, it's like one in 160 births. So yeah. there's a lot of women, whether it's you that have experienced this, it's probably about a hundred percent that you know someone who has experienced it. So yeah. we just need to reach out in kindness and love and support right. for everyone that has gone through pregnancy loss. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I always ask my guests one final question, and I know you've heard it before. And now yeah. I, I get to ask you, what would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Yeah, so I was thinking about this because I do listen to your podcast. Um, and I was thinking about this in relation to miscarriage and pregnancy loss and stillbirth. So I think it would be, which this can also apply to just anything in motherhood, but um, to give yourself lots of grace. Um, grief is hard and there's no timeline for it. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. Um, sometimes you cry a lot. Sometimes you cry a little and sometimes you feel like the tears have dried up, but a couple months later they're back, you know, and just not to compare yourself in the way you grieve or to someone else's pregnancy loss. It's easy to be like, well, she's such and such and this, you know, and she's having a baby. Why can't I? I mean, we do tend to do those things, those comparisons, but just to give yourself lots of grace and not set unrealistic expectations for yourself. Um, I think those are important things to remember to get through these difficult experiences. I do too. Thank you, Daisha. I know you have your cancel with your eight kids, so they've been remarkably quiet. So <laughs> I don't know where <laughs> they are. But... I'm up in the kids' bedroom upstairs. <laughs> well, it's worked out well, great for, for 40 minutes. Me. I really enjoyed talking with you today. Oh, Jessica. same here, Daisha. All the best to your family, and thank you for the good work you're doing. Thank you so much. So whether this conversation was to provide you the – the love and connection that you need because you have personally suffered a miscarriage or whether it is somebody that you know that you can feel better equipped to reach out to them and support them through their loss. I hope you can see that there's no right or wrong way to grieve, to go through a miscarriage. If you want to talk about it, if you don't want to talk about it, if you want to post on social media, if you want to take pictures, if you don't want to take pictures, it is 100% up to you. And just remembering to reserve any criticism that might pop into your head 
because it is not helpful and there's no place for that. And there certainly isn't. There should only be love for somebody that has suffered an infant loss. So thank you so much to Daisha for coming on the show, for sharing her motherhood journey, and for all the good work she is doing such as to support other women and families that are going through miscarriages. I hope you feel more comfortable talking about it and doing the next right thing. And if you're feeling prompted to do something in your own sphere based upon your own life experiences, to really be there for the one, and it doesn't have to be a large scale thing, but to really show up for other people who need camaraderie and love and support just show up just do the thing that you feel prompted to do everything will be linked at extraordinarymomspodcast.com and if you don't already follow me on instagram you can do that at jessica dahlquist3 or on facebook at extraordinary moms podcast thanks again for being here today and we will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom bye